It is our privilege to bring to you the following message, supported by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our normal Sunday morning service times. Pastor Rick Foster is serving as our interim senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church. And as Pastor Rick continues in his series on life with a capital L, he's in Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verses 8 through 10. In a sermon he's entitled, Does It Make Sense? As we talk about the wondrous mystery of Christ and what he's done for us. Here's Rick. How does it make you feel when vital information is withheld from you? When people purposefully keep you out of the loop? On the inside, don't we think, what am, I, what, am I not valued? Um, am I simply a pawn to be moved around on the, the game of, uh, board of, of life, but I have, I'm not given any of the larger strategy that's going on? Is it not important to keep me informed? And maybe that leads us into a more significant question. Would God ever do that to me? We need to talk about this. But before we do, let's pray. Father, this is a morning when coming and learning how to bring you our questions is really what's on the table. Heart questions that sometimes we don't <clears throat> even feel safe to raise to other people, but we need to learn how to bring them to you. And to know that you, as our loving Heavenly Father, are never annoyed by our questions. You're never perplexed by the questions we ask. But rather, you, in your heart, care for us so deeply, you engage with us right with the questions we have. And that's what we really need to see this morning. And so, Father, I thank you that you have not kept silent. You have not stuttered, but your word gives us what we need to know about you, about life, about ourselves. And so, Father, I pray that in these coming moments as we open up your word, that your Holy Spirit would do what it does best, and that is bring all things to mind and to teach us that we might be different. Father, I pray this would not just be a time of being informed, but being transformed. So that we're different because we were here. So, Father, that's our request. That's our cry out to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the great uh, philosophers of our day is Baseball Hall of Famer Yogi Berra. Some of you know some of his great observations of life that are so wise. For example, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. Um, always go to other people's funerals, otherwise they won't come to yours. Um, or when it comes to decision making, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Half the lies they tell about me aren't true. You have to kind of think that one through a little bit. Um, or I'd give, I'd give my right arm to be ambidextrous. <laughs> you probably have a collection of yours from Yogi that you enjoy. One of my favorites, though, is this. You can observe a lot just by watching. And one of the things that I enjoy watching is when Hollywood produces films 
where the storyline has the character struggling with, does life make sense? Over the last two decades, there have been a number of big screen characters who struggled with the meaning of life. Reach way back, if you would, to the humorous way in which Truman Burbank wrestled with, does my life make sense in the Truman Show? Why did he struggle? Because vital information was withheld from him. Or how about Neo swallowing the famous red pill in the action thriller The Matrix, in which then suddenly his eyes were opened to see a reality that he suspected was there, but didn't know for sure. Then there was the romantic film a number of years ago, The Adjustment Bureau, where love fights for its destiny despite a world of caretakers who are manipulating events behind the scenes. And then most recently, one of my favorites is Collateral Beauty, where the main character is almost incapacitated by his grief because his young daughter died of cancer. And he desperately wants to find something that will bring all of his broken pieces of life back together again. And you know what, the, what happens is that these storylines of all these films raise within us powerful questions. Like, why is my life turning out the way it did or does? Why is this happening to me? Life appears and feels so random. Is it? You see, seeking an answer to our questions why is not just the mental gymnastics of philosophers in the dusty halls of academics. And it's not just the incessant um, questioning of toddlers. (laughs) It's also the cry of our heart. The cry of our heart when we're in the hospital watching a ventilator keep that loved one of ours alive. When the door slams and echoes in our ears after our teenager has told us where we can take our Christianity and shove it. You see, the why question haunts us when our dreams die, when our friends betray us, when our income fails to meet our outgo, when we lie awake in bed at night and realize we have all as much as we're ever going to get of the cards of possessions and, and popularity and performance, and yet life feels empty. And the question why just seems to keep percolating up to the surface during those painful, deeply wounding seasons where there doesn't seem to be any connection, any connection at all between choices and outcomes, between cause and effect, and so we begin to wonder, is life simply a flick of the, of the spinner on the, on the game board of life? Is it all haphazard? Is my life simply arbitrary? And my friends, it's right at these moments, those kinds of moments that Jesus Christ speaks when nothing seems to make sense, that he has come to give us life with a capital L. Our Savior wants to inject into our confusion, into our disappointments, into our wonderings and our uncertainty, some clarity for us. He wants us to know there is intentionality in life. That there is a purposeful design, and it's all a part of seeing life as a story. 
Now, I've mentioned this before, but it's worth probably repeating again this morning. Have you ever noticed how life comes to us as a story? It does not come to us as a spreadsheet or as a math problem. Hmm. Every morning we wake up, what's going to happen next? We don't know. We have to enter into the story. So every day unfolds like scenes in a drama. There's a beginning, and then there's an end. We interact with all sorts of characters in all sorts of settings. Sometimes life feels like a tragedy. Sometimes life looks like a comedy. Sometimes it feels like we've been sucked into a soap opera. All the above. And you know what? In all of these times, it's also important to know the rest of the story. Because the rest of the story changes everything. For example, suppose you come home um, at the end of the day to find that your car, which you loaned to your teenager, has been totaled. What's the rest of the story? What happened? If you don't know the rest of the story, you could jump to a wrong conclusion. Knowing the story changes the way we respond to events. Or suppose you walk up to a group of friends, uh, just as someone in that group says, but that's not my dog. And everybody bursts out laughing. Jokes make no sense whatsoever unless you know the whole story, right? Um, Or being a friend to someone means knowing their story. So when you ask them, how is their weekend gone, you don't take fine for an answer. When you've heard rumors about a mariachi band, a spilled plate of nachos, and some embarrassing photos on an iPhone, you want to know the rest of the story. And so the fourth card this morning, with life with a capital L, helps us that we do not settle for a life with an uninformed, resigned uncertainty. So grab your Bibles and let's turn to Ephesians chapter 1 again this morning. And we're going to look at verse 8 to verse 10. Because these verses powerfully inform us that there are three things that will help us see that life makes sense. First, verse 8 and verse 9. Notice, life is a story and it has an author. An author with a capital A. Now, before we look at the verses, just think about this. In every book, every movie, every TV show, there is an author who personally created the story. Which means the author designed the story. Now look at verse 9. Paul writes and tells us, In all wisdom and insight... Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Notice, all of life, my life, your life, right now is governed by something verse 9 says is God's will. He has plans. He has purposes. There is a design. There's an intentionality to what he is doing. In other words, life as we experience it is part of God's larger story that he has personally created. Now, did you know that the word author is directly related to the word authority? In other words, an author has authority over his story. And the Bible supports this all over the place. Let me just give you a few to think about. For example, Psalm 33, verse 11 The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21. Many are the plans in a person's heart, 
but it is the Lord's purposes that prevail. Note the tone of authority. Here's another one for you. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 24. The Lord Almighty has sworn, Surely as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will happen. One more. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 10. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Again, you see the connection, author and authority. His will is going to be carried out. Now, it's interesting, in any compelling or uh, riveting story, the author mixes together several different elements. We've talked about this before. Let me just repeat them to you again. First, you have a plot. You have a storyline, and that storyline gives discernible movement. In other words, it's going somewhere, and you can sense it's going somewhere. Plot. The second thing is characters. The plot moves forward as the characters interact with each other. Uh, And there's usually a wide diversity of personalities in the story. Plot, character, the third is... Every... Story takes place in a specific location. And someone has said that the setting is a, is the fitting container for the plot to unfold. There's a connection with why the story is happening right where it did. So we are a part of this, of God's larger story, which means that everything that's happening around us is part of the plot that He designed. All the people in our life are the characters He wants to be there. And the very place that we live, that we work, that we go to school and raise our families is the setting for His story to unfold. This is all part of His will for our lives. Now look back at verse 9, because there's something important to see about all this. Notice that God's story is not just figured out by observation. Rather, the author reveals his story. Look at the start of verse 9. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. In a literal way, this happens all the time. We may hear of a favorite author of ours who is going to have a new book come out next month, but we have no idea what the story is about until it gets published until the author reveals his story. See, apart from divine revelation, apart from a divine revealing, we would never understand or appreciate this large story that God has that's moving on. And the specific details, verse 9, of God's larger story were a mystery until the time that Jesus came. If you're here in Ephesians 1, just turn over the page to Ephesians 3. Here Paul describes this much more clearly for us. Ephesians 3, starting at verse 2. Paul writes and says, You have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. 
by the Spirit. Again, notice, life is a story designed by a divine author. And God's Word tells us that all of history is moving and has an epic wonder to it all. There's design and a specific point to where it's headed. And by the way, if you're interested in, and um, would like to explore this more, I would highly recommend John Eldridge's short book called Epic. Fascinating little book that gives you this kind of overall view of history as God's story. Now, all of this leads us to a second element that helps us make sense of life. Now, what's the first, though? Life is a story, and it has a author. Let's add to that now a second element that comes right out of Ephesians 1. And that is, life is a story, and it has a director. Look at verse 10. What are the opening words of verse 10? Well, start with verse 9, just to keep it in context. Again, he's making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. As a plan. What's the plan? Well, verse 9, his will is the plan. The implementing of his will is, and it's going to be worked its way, it's going to be worked out. So Paul is describing life is a story, and there is a director who personally oversees the unfolding story. See, when he opens up with that English, we have it in English anyway, the, the, the phrase, as a plan, unfortunately, those three words miss the powerful personal touch that Paul's trying to impress upon us. Because he's using a word here that describes a household manager, uh, an administrator, who personally and faithfully oversees what is done in a household. In other words, there is a director implementing God's will by giving personal attention to the unfolding plot and the interaction of the characters in their unique setting. By the way, folks, this is huge to understand that. Because life, the life that we experience with its tragedies and its challenges and its celebrations is not an impersonal, mechanistic program. It is not karma that is coming back around again, nor is it the grand march of evolution through natural processes. There is someone engaged in it, a director. There's a personal, hands-on, engaged, divine director overseeing everything. And it's very much like what we assume and believe and know happens in a television production or a movie production. There is a director personally coordinating all of the details. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's really fun. At the end, some movies where during the credit run, they show some of the bloopers. Um, you know, actors forgetting their lines uh, or saying things that weren't even in the script. Uh, they start laughing when they should have a straight face. Uh, people entering a scene before they should or they don't enter when they should. Special effects that uh, don't happen on time or don't work as they should. Uh, but in the unfolding of God's story, in the unfolding of our smaller stories within his larger story, What Paul's trying to tell us here is that we have a director with a capital D who coordinates all of the details that need to come together, bringing them right together at just the right time. 
And Romans chapter 8, verse 28, further describes the role of our director like this. And we know that in all things, not some of the things, not in 90% of the things, but in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. In other words, God is working out the details. He is personally involved as a director in all of the things that make up our life. But let's be honest. That is very good news. When life is going well and everything feels good. But what about those times when life goes south? Or it goes sideways on us? Can I explain to you this morning how the deeply, deeply painful times that you're going through right now make sense? No, I can't. Can I satisfy the puzzlement or confusion or disappointment you have with God over your story? No, I can't. Can I explain how God weaves together his plans and yet he gives man the freedom to choose? I can't explain that either. All I know is that the Bible affirms that life is a story and our loving Heavenly Father is both the divine author and the personal director behind it all. And when it doesn't make make any sense to me because it feels painfully random or horribly arbitrary, I am to trust the heart of the author and the director. By the way, the Bible calls that walking by faith and not by sight. (laughs) Believing that his heart is good and kind and loving and grace-filled. And why do I believe that? Because of the cards we've already seen. Because he's personally selected me, he's lovingly adopted me, he's graciously rescued me. No matter what. So life is a story, and it has an author. Life is a story, and it has a director. Let's add a third element that will help us see how life makes sense. And that is life is a story, and it has a hero. Look at the end of verse 10. Let me back up a little bit. Let's keep this in context. It helps all the time. So he's making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Folks, every good story has got a hero. God's larger story does too. And this is so important for so many reasons. And the most wonderful is that our hero wins at Again, in verse 10, he's going to bring what? Everything united together in Christ. Things in heaven and things on earth. Okay, yeah, but look around. Has everything been united together under Christ right now? No. But that's where the story is going. (laughs) Philippians 2, verse 10 tells us that there's going to come a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That happens yet. No, but that's where the story is going. So our divine author, our personal director, is moving the plot, the characters, the various settings, and every single generation towards a triumphal 
conclusion where our hero, Jesus Christ, comes out victorious at the end. Which means his disguise one day is going to be removed as he finally comes out of hiding and is, is assume, and assumes his rightful royal place. Our hero will successfully rescue everybody who is in danger. Everything is going to be finally made right. The enemy is going to be defeated. The bad guys are going to get their just desserts. And every wrong is going to be appropriately punished and made right. Revelation chapter 17, verse 14. says they're going to wage war against the Lamb. But the Lamb will triumph over them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. Revelation 5, verse 9 Talking to the Lamb, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. In fact, let's go look at how the story ends. Turn to Revelation chapter 21. You're not supposed to read how the story ends when you get a new book. But let's do it anyway. Revelation 21. The Apostle John writes and says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Quick sidebar. If you enjoy surfing, get it in now. You're not going to get it later. (laughs) Notice that the sea is not going to be around any longer. Okay, sorry about that, but a little sidebar. And I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Folks, this is the final restoring of our original trajectory. This is what we were created for. The bridegroom meets, I mean, the bride meets the groom at the wedding ceremony. God dwells among us. All, all of our heartaches are healed and the painful impact of sin is completely removed and all things are made new. Life is a story and our hero wins at the end. And at the end, there's something else that happens. Our hero is honored for his role. Revolution. I mean, revolution. Revelation. Well, it is going to be a revolution. But Revelation chapter 5. Turn back a little bit earlier. Starting at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Or write down if you're taking notes, Revelation chapter 15, verse 3 and verse 4. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy, and all nations will come and and worship before you. For your righteous acts have been revealed. My life, your life, all of life, from generations past to all that lies yet ahead, there is an author there, there's a director there, and there's a hero there. And so some of you have already jumped ahead and are thinking, okay, yeah, Rick, but how did that lead me to experience more of life with a capital L? Well, let me close with four implications of what we've been looking here in Ephesians 1. Four implications to consider. First of all, at those times when any of us or all of us begin to ask ourselves, does my small story really matter? The answer is, yes, it does. For you have been personally chosen, selected. You've been lovingly adopted. You have been graciously rescued. And now we can add the fourth card. You've been wisely informed. And now you get it. Get what? Well, that's the second implication. That the meaning of life is not found in my story, but in his story. And the more I keep trying to get everything to revolve around my story, the more frustrated and tired and confused I will be. But when I start to see that behind all the details of my life, there is a larger story unfolding, I can begin to relax. I begin to trust that he is meshing the plot and the characters and the setting all together in an intentional way. Which brings to the third implication, and that is when life is excruciatingly painful and I can't help but ask why. I'll start asking a second question, though, and that is what? What are you doing, Lord? How do you intend for this heartache that I'm experiencing right now to blend my smaller story into your larger one? I won't ever quit asking why, but I'll just add a follow-up question. What? And then number four. When I look at my life, like at times you'll look at your life and you don't have any clarity and no explanations come when you pray about it, I can rest in the who. 
that there is an author who's designed it, that there's a personal director who's overseeing it, and there's a hero who will bring it to a victorious ending. Yeah, we've, we've been wisely informed. Ah, uh, I get it. Father, many of my brothers and sisters here in this room, right here this morning, this is not theoretical. This is very real for them. As the heartache and the pain and the wounds are deep, and crying out to you is not a rare thing, it's a daily thing. And I pray, Father, that this morning and these verses have resonated in their soul in a way that brings stability to help them move from what is natural to begin by saying why, to move us on to then asking what, but then finding that our faith is grounded in the who. Father, there's a part of us that wants more information. But you don't want our faith to be grounded in just information. You want it to be grounded in a relationship with you. And so you've given us some clarity, enough to trust. Because, Father, even if you tried to explain it all, our our finite minds would not be able to put it all together. Your ways are greater than our ways and your thoughts than ours. And so, Father, may we, your people, learn to relax even when it hurts, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're tempted to say this is just arbitrary and random and it's out of control. Let these verses and this fourth card of life with a capital L bring us back to you. May we play this card every day. May it keep the lies of our enemy at bay. And may it allow us to love you all the more. Father, that's our prayer this morning. And we pray it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave up everything for us that we might come close to you. Jesus name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.